0: makes documentaries you know both exciting and potentially nerve-wracking is uh is you don't know how it's going to end you know you don't know what's going to happen so i think we were very fortunate that uh you know that we we you know got a guy in james darling who was able to you know and and was able to man up and not be afraid of the challenge that was in front of him and you know as he's proposing to his girlfriend in front of six
1: thousand people this is sci-fi talk the podcast on how sci-fi fantasy horror and comics help us explore our humanity Filmmaker Morgan Spurlock, who is known for his film Super Size Me, had an interesting film called Comic-Con 4, A Fan's Hope. Besides talking to celebrities that were there at the convention at the time he filmed it, the main focus of the film is profiling several fans and their reason for attending San Diego Comic-Con. I attended a press conference at the time with Morgan Spurlock, and here it is.
0: Well, I think what I what I love about DVDs, and what I especially love about this DVD, is we we got to interview so many great people for this film. You know, from you know, of course, Stan and Joss, who we made the film with, but you know, Kevin Smith, Guillermo del Toro, uh, Grant Morrison, you know, Jerry Robinson, who created the Joker, Felicia Day, Nathan Fillion, and there were a lot of folks you know that that we couldn't put in the movie, or that we had to edit down their interviews down to just like one or two sentences. So to be able to expand on all of those interviews and all of those great stories that they told and uh, told on the DVD, I think is probably the thing that I really love. As a fan, I think that that really speaks to me as a fan. I think other
1: people will really dig it. There's more sci-fi talk featuring Morgan Spurlock's Comic-Con 4, a fan's hope in a moment. He was asked, while you were searching for the people to profile, were you ever afraid, like, this one particular guy would never propose to his girlfriend?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're, those things can always happen, you know. It's like, uh, you never know. And that's the, what makes documentaries, you know, both exciting and potentially nerve wracking is, uh, is you don't know how it's going to end. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. So I think we were very fortunate that, uh, you know, that we, we you know, got a guy in James Darling who was able, to, you know, and, and was able to man up and not be afraid of the challenge that was in front of him. And, you know, as he's proposing to his girlfriend in front of 6,000 people, um, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, Holly Conrad was able to, you know, that she was actually able to win the masquerade. You know, it's like that was epic. Who who would have, you know, thought that she would have been able to to pull that off? Um you know, I think that we just uh, when you when you cast a film like this, you know, it is a crapshoot. And you know, the one thing that we wanted to make sure we did is we wanted to make sure we we found characters or got characters that we were following that had real stakes. You know, people that were really going there with a a, a very distinct sense of purpose. Um, and you know, and we did. We got you know people who you know were really going there for some specific reason. You know, you know Eric and Skip who are trying to break into the comic book business. You know, those are those are great stories. Um, but not knowing how it's going to work out is is part of the gamble. But I think we were we were really really, really fortunate with the casting.
1: As far as what you learned from uh, those people and what they're, you know, trying to make their dreams come true and working hard at it, what did you come away with after, uh, you know, speaking to them and seeing their story?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the one thing that I think comes away from when you watch Comic-Con in general and, and you watch the film is I think it really does kind of shatter Whatever stereotype you may have had, I mean, granted, there are people there who probably do still live at home, who probably do still live with their parents, but I think that is not the majority of the people who go to Comic Con. I think it is filled with very passionate people, very passionate fans um, who actually do have lives, and this is just a great place for them either to a express their creativity or to celebrate things that they're passionate about. Um, you know, I think it, I think it really does change your view of what uh, of kind of what a, what a convention like this is really all about.
1: There's more Sci-Fi Talks look at Comic-Con for a fan's hope, so stay tuned. He also describes how he used VIPs to make the proposal happen. Yeah, people love to think that we
0: somehow, you know, came in there and made things happen, which, you know, we don't do. when we I don't, I don't do when we make films. You know, we don't go in and try and futz with things. We have no idea how things are going to end. Um, you know, James Darling knew a friend of a friend who at one point worked on a Kevin Smith movie and somehow got in touch with that person who got him in touch with an assistant who got him in touch with, like, Kevin Smith's assistant. And, you know, the guy did all his own legwork. I mean, it was amazing to kind of, see what he was able to pull together and they both love Kevin Smith so he knew he wanted to propose to his girlfriend at that panel. I mean it's it's amazing people, people pull off proposals in incredible ways. I was just talking to a guy on a phone uh, who he used to work at it was, it was, it was it Access Hollywood or, or E or it was one of the. he worked at some entertainment channel and he said what I, I love the marriage proposal he goes I love that he goes because I proposed to my wife on a, on a plane using a video that I got the stewardesses to play where he literally got all of these celebrities that he would be interviewing when he'd go out to do these field pieces he got all the celebrities basically to talk about him so he created this video where all these celebrities were talking about him and how great he was and what a great catch he was and this is playing on the video screens on the airplane so literally everyone on the plane is watching this at the end he proposes to his wife on the plane and so you know people do extraordinary things when they're in love and I think that that's what this is just another one of those great moments that is uh, it's a great geeky moment of being in love and that's what that's for me that's an incredible thing
1: what made you stand out from other people who tried to make a movie at Comic Con
0: I mean, I think it had zero to do with me. I think had I gone to them by myself, they would have said absolutely not. Because I think um, I think they were already trepidatious about me making a film. You know, am I going to make fun of? Uh, am I just going to go in and make fun of people? Am I going to just you know, you know, pull kind of a triumph the insult comic dog and you know, and literally just like make fa- make fun of all the low hanging fruit and i think that really the only reason the movie got made was because we partnered with Stan and Joss to make this film kind of the old and the new guard of of geekdom you know the 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 keepers of the of the grail and i think that um had i just gone by myself they wouldn't have done it but because stan and joss both gave this film kind of their seal of approval they believed in it you know they believed in the the story that i wanted to tell which was kind of getting to the heart of why people are so passionate about comic con uh, i think that was the only reason that comic con said yes
1: it it must have been for you like planning a war and kind of coordinating everything and shooting on the floor and also yeah. getting the celebrities. What was that like? The planning part is before you even started. Yeah, I
0: mean it was massive. You know, there was myself and my two producers, uh, Matthew Galkin and Jeremy Chilnick. Like we, we, you know, we we got the book. You know, the book of here's everything that's going on at Comic Con. So we knew here's the characters we're following, and then here's everything else el- else that's happening. Um, here are all the people that we know are coming. And so you literally just start chasing as many things as you can, and and you have to be very strategic because we had we had 15 full crews that were there shooting, um, and at any given moment, uh, like the field producer that was with that crew could pick up a second camera. So we were usually rolling anywhere between 15 to 25. Cameras. During during the day. Um, and then we would literally give everybody their marching orders, you know, shoot at this panel, talk to you, we want you to talk to this person, you know, that with the exception of the people who were following our, our main you know characters that were in the movie, we were bouncing around all the time, you know, throughout the whole con. We had a crew of 150 people. It was the biggest crew I've ever had in my life. I mean, and it was, it was literally like, you were planning every morning and every night exactly where you were going to be shooting and at some you know, along the way you just miss things. You know, you miss an interview or you miss a moment where somebody was doing a signing or someone was talking and you have to let those things go because there's so much going on in that moment you just have to you know continue to stay focused well it's like we missed that but how do we not miss the next one and uh and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. You know, that's a lot to cover. There's 150,000 people there, you know, over the four days, and there's so many things happening. You just, you're never going to capture everything. But I think what the film does is a great job of showing, I think, the immensity of the con, of how much there is going on, and gives you just like a real slice of life of, these, of, of the people that go there, the passion they have, and, and why they're there.
1: Amen to that. He also addresses pirating and pirated copies of his documentary being available.
0: As, as a documentary filmmaker um, I am incredibly pro piracy because ultimately if somebody's gonna download a documentary illegally and show it to anyone God bless them for doing that you know I think that documentaries have such a hard time already of finding an audience of getting an audience and um, listen you know I, I want my films to make money I want the distributors who put them out to make money but at the same time I want fans to be able to have access to them so um, I'm not nearly as precious or or, or you know, upset about, you know, people bootlegging things. I, when we were making Where in the World of Osama Bin Laden, this is a perfect example. When we were making Where in the World of Osama Bin Laden, we were shooting in Saudi Arabia, and a girl comes up to me on the street in the middle of Riyadh. We're shooting right in the middle of the capital. She comes up to me and she says, you know, she's a little Saudi girl. She goes, are you Morgan Spurlock? She's like 12, 13 years old. I said, yes. And she goes, I just have to tell you, that episode of 30 Days where the, the Christian guy went to live with the Muslim family was one of the most important things I've ever seen. I shared it with so many people, you know, throughout Saudi Arabia Thank you for making that. That wasn't there legally. That was a complete bootleg that somebody took and and, and shared with that whole country. So, I mean, I think there's something that, that is that is very valid about that, especially if things aren't going to be able to be accessed. You know, would I want somebody to buy a DVD? Of course I would. But if someone can't, do I want them to not see my film? Absolutely not.
1: Chuck Rosnowski from Aha is definitely one of the breakout stars of the documentary. Will we see more of him in the DVD?
0: Yeah, there's, there's a little bit more Chuck that's on there. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's more of all of, you know, all the characters that are in the film. There's, um. You know, I, I love Chuck. I think Chuck is such a is such is Chuck is such a breakout star, and I I would love to do more with Chuck. Like I, I would love to have Chuck in it. I want Chuck to have his own TV series. Like like the whole story of Mile High and the fact that he's keeping that place going. You know, and and has expanded. He he moved into a new facility that's now sixty thousand square feet. I mean, the guy is the guy is a machine, and I think he's there's something really inspirational about about Chuck because he is someone who will always find a way. He'll always find a way to do it, and he ended up selling the Red Raven last fall. Um, he said, you know what? He goes, well, I'm going I'm to finally sell this thing. And I think he ended up getting 100 grand for it. Um, so the guy's a, guy's a smart cookie.
1: Look for Comic-Con 4, A Fan's Hope, on DVD. Interesting film, profiling it through the fans' eyes and their reasons for attending. It's pretty interesting. Just a reminder, you can enroll for a free lifetime membership at Sci-Fi Talk Plus with early release Exclusive and uncut episodes, just click on the link in the show notes. It's free for a lifetime. This is Tony Talato. Thanks for listening.